Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Icarus for Reality with Shane Jones. What is up, Inquirers, and welcome to the one, the only, Inquiries of Our Reality. It's been a while since I've had a contactee on the show, so I figured it was about time. But this guy isn't just any normal contactee, he's also a channeler, with some of the most fascinating and relevantly timed messages pertaining to today's world. But before we get into that, of course, if you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds to leave a rating for the show on Spotify, I would definitely appreciate it. Or if you're so inclined as to take an extra 30 seconds to leave a review for the show on iTunes, then of course I will read it on the show and give you guys a huge shout out for it. Uh, if you guys want to stay updated on anything new and cool going on with the show, new episodes dropping, uh, events going on in the future, any of that, highly recommend going and following the show on Instagram and any other form of social media that you guys have. Instagram is the one that I'm the most active on, of course, but I do have a Facebook set up, but everything kind of gets pushed off of the Instagram and into the Facebook. So if you guys want to interact with me, best place to do so is through Instagram. And uh, if you guys also want to interact with me a little bit more, you guys can pop onto the Telegram or the Discord, building those up a bit, uh, more so the Discord than the Telegram, but we're building them both up a little bit, slowly but surely. Uh, it just comes to the fact that Discord's a little bit more easy to use. Uh, the channels being on there makes it a little bit easier for conversation, but uh yeah, if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some awesome people, definitely recommend popping onto the Telegram or the Discord. 
And if anybody is interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, Sasquatch researcher, cryptozoologist, uh, ufologist, uh, whistleblower, anything, any of those open-minded individuals, I would love to sit down. I'd love to have a conversation with you and get into some weird stuff. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram, which is, of course, like I said, the one I'm the most active on, or you guys can email me at inquiriesofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com, or you guys can go to the link tree, fill out the submission form, and that will go to directly to my email. Just uh, make sure you check your spam and junk folder and make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single email I get. So make sure nothing gets lost in there because I'd love to have a conversation with you guys, of course. And uh, just to do a little announcement now before I forget to do it, uh, I will be vending at Squankapalooza, which is in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So if anybody is interested in going to that, uh, coming and hanging out with me, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram because I would love to actually get to know who some of you people are before you physically come out there because I'd love to be able to actually know your names when you guys come up to the table. But as it gets a little bit closer, there will be more that gets announced on the Instagram. So make sure you keep your eyes open for that. Um, it is a free event. So if anybody's willing to come out there, um, just a l- little bit more money to be able to spend at the event. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to have a lot of fun and I really hope to see you guys out there, of course. And uh, considering that you guys might be into Squonkapalooza, of course, you guys might be into checking out the other show, Bizarre Encounters, if you haven't already, uh, which is just as the name says, Bizarre Encounters. And I do that with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. And over there, we dig into UFO stuff, cryptid stuff, uh, paranormal stuff, anything that can be considered a bizarre encounter. Uh, We deep dive. We have interviews with some people who have had some bizarre encounters, and it's an all-around fun show. So I highly recommend going and checking it out if you guys haven't already. And if you guys want to keep tabs on everything that I do all in one place, be it this show and Bizarre Encounters, uh, you guys can go and check out Open Minds Media, which is my umbrella for all of the podcasting stuff that I do. Uh, On Instagram, of course, there's a page set up there. You'll find all the episodes are getting dropped for both shows. Try to make it quick and easy all in one place. So I highly recommend going and checking that out, of course. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. Number one, of course, is through the Patreon. Uh, there, There's multiple tiers set up, so you guys can go and check it out, figure out which one suits you the best, but you'll get things such as ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, lives of episodes, live replays of episodes, which is the video format of the episodes if you guys aren't able to make it to the lives or you guys are into video format of episodes, of course. Uh, there's exclusive giveaways. There's exclusive merch store discounts. There's going to be a monthly hangout going on soon. Uh Still in the process of working on some exclusive shows, just trying to coordinate time to be able to uh, put them out for you guys. Hopefully, I can at least do exclusive shows at least once a month, but we'll figure it out as the ball gets rolling, of course, as more Patreon people start popping up over there. So uh, the other way, of course, you guys can support the show is through donating to the show directly. You guys can do so through Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. Uh, if you guys are interested in donating that way, go down to the bottom of the show description. At the very bottom, you'll see something along the lines of donate on Red Circle. Uh, go there, fill out all of the different forms, all that fun stuff. And uh, if it doesn't give you the option through any of the different donation forms, Um, to leave some type of personalized message. Uh, Let me know who you are on Instagram or something because I'd love to give you guys a shout out and give you credit where credit's due as far as you guys giving the show love and support, of course. And uh, the third way that you guys can support the show is through the Open Minds Media Merch Store. Uh, There you won't just find designs for this show, but also for Bizarre Encounters and any other uh, cool stuff that I end up doing in the future. Uh, Try to 
make it quick and easy, put it all in one place. And uh, I will be working on some new designs pertaining to some catchphrases that we say on both of the shows. So if that sounds like something you guys might be interested in, uh, keep your eyes open on the Instagram because I'm sure I'll probably end up dropping it on there before the designs actually get dropped on the store. But there's some cool new stuff coming down the pipeline, just a matter of time. And uh, yeah, if you guys are following on Instagram, you guys will know exactly when it drops. And then you guys can scoop yourself some awesome gear. And if you guys do that, of course, don't forget to send me a picture of you guys wearing it because I would love to repost it on the pages and show that there's love and support out there for the show in the world. And uh, while we're talking love and support, and while we're also talking about merchandise, highly recommend going and checking out Crypto Theology. Joe's always killing it over there with his amazing cryptid paranormal UFO designs. Uh, half of my wardrobe at this point is Crypto Theology, so... I'm going to keep talking about it because I really dig the designs. And honestly, just saying, Joe, you should put most of your designs on posters because people would buy the shit out of them because your designs are great, man. But side note from that, um, everything that I mentioned, of course, all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, for the second time, author, channeler, healer, and man of many other titles, Craig Lefebvre. How's it going today? It's going great. So glad to be back. I was going to say, it's been a hot minute. We were talking before we uh, did the show, though. The last time I talked to you was on Bizarre Encounters back in October. So, yeah, it's been way too long, man. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, in between... My novel that released last summer, and then my new book of uh, channel messages. So I, I, I've been pretty busy. <laughs> and I was going to say, this is a perfect opportunity. We'll have to get into that, of course, today. But uh, for all of the new listeners that didn't hear the first interview, they don't really know who you are, they aren't familiar with you yet, uh, why don't you kind of give them a rough idea about who you are, what you do, and uh, your first book, since, you know, of course, we're going to get into your second book on the show. Sure, sure. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. Uh, I'm an author of three different books of channeled messages. Uh, I've done some fiction as well that's uh, based on my uh, abduction encounter experiences with ETs. Uh, I have a few books of poetry as well. Uh, I do energy healing. Uh, I have a regular group of people uh, that I work on on the side, and I also do uh, readings for people as well amongst other things. <laughs> many, many other things. And uh, before we get things. into the book, of course, I always got to ask you about your channeling stuff because I know that you, the last time you were on the show, uh, you are sharing some very interesting messages that you had gotten. And I'm sure that you've had a lot of updates since then. So I guess in the past six months to eight months or so, uh, what, what new things have you channeled through? What uh, new messages have you received? Oh my gosh. Um, a lot of it has been focused around uh, changes and shifts in humanity and what our perception of is of what's going on right now with the energy. A lot of it has to do with us looking at ourselves and seeing where we're at at this point in time because we're at a point where we've had – it's almost like the uh, the energy has dropped out the bottom. Like there's timelines that are beneath us that are now collapsed. So we're being pushed into these upper timelines and then a lot of the darkness and negativity that is there with us is now becoming more and more prevalent and being pushed to the surface. So we have to look at it. The, uh, like, for example, the other day I did one for, uh, Nostradamus and, uh, he was, that's like, I think the third time I've talked to him 
it's kind of rare that he pops in and he was he was all out of sorts uh he he gave me the title of the channel be, which is very rare um i usually get that at the end and uh the title of the uh, channel was uh the last quatrain i i posted that on facebook under author craig lefave um and he was he was very kind of uh doom and gloom and humanity needs to start speaking up for itself and basically stop being sheeple and uh not in those exact words because his his uh how he dictates sentences and words to you is very different than i get i guess you could say we normally talk but um he's very uh very colorful in his speech i would say but that that's that's there's been some interesting stuff that's kind of come up um and now I'm sitting here. I like. I wish I read through a bunch of my channels that I just did, so I'd have <laughs> <laughs> more to throw in the pot. I'm so sorry, Shane. Oh no, worries at all, man. I'm sure they'll pop in as uh, need be for the conversation because it's one of those things yeah. that everything kind of flows as it needs to. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But uh, doing the messages uh, ha- has has gotten easier for me. I have to say that. Um, where it's. It's a lot more seamless. I can sit down easier at the computer now. I don't have to focus as much um, or necessarily tune in. So that is kind of expanded for me where um, it flows so much easier now. And this is like after doing, I want to say, a few hundred messages. Um, I started off doing channeling. I was writing in my notebook. And I had to break through this barrier, which I think I mentioned to you before. And one of my... um, teachers uh that's taught me to read she said this to me a couple times but the other day when she said it to me again it was just so profound she's like you just have to get out of your own way and then it just like it hit me because it i been putting myself out there more and more and doing different things uh i i speak at my friend's spiritual church a couple times a year and then they have kind of uh group readings afterwards and the uh, regular leader of the church wasn't there this this past fall when I was there, and my friend had done who helps run it did a couple readings, and then she's like, "Okay, there you go, have at it." And I'm like, "What?" So I had to read the whole room. I've never done that before. That was <laughs> like, she yeah, she's kind of a, a mentor to me as well. I've learned a lot of stuff from her, and she literally just threw me in the deep end of the pool and said, "Swim," and I had to do it. It was just, I was like, "Oh my god." I was shit in my pants, <laughs> but I got it done, man. <laughs> when you say uh, like reading the room, do you mean that in the aspect of like like channeling and trying to like understand the room, or do you mean that in like the literal sense of just trying to read the people's interactions? Uh, it's literally me walking up to you and then seeing what spirit has to say about you, like what's going on with you, or what kind of air energy that you're carrying. Um, if there's somebody with you that's close to you, um, maybe some difficult circumstances that you're trying to work through right now that maybe I could give you some insight in towards. And normally, typically, like when I get together with my group of friends, like every couple of weeks, we have a spirit circle. We use oracle cards as prompts. So usually, like I'll have something to glance at first before I said, oh, Shane, you have this going on. I s- and, you know, there's two doves behind you. And I see that, you know, you're becoming more elevated in your consciousness and, you know, other. So I'll start kind of going deeper and deeper. And you at least have like when you're doing a reading with somebody, 
you're looking for that initial thread. And this is one of the things when you start opening up that you need to look for. You know, you have to get over your self-doubt and basically getting out of your own way. But you find that initial thread where it kind of quickly snaps through your head. You see that, and then you have to grab it. And then you sort of just sort start slowly pulling on it and talking to the person and seeing where it goes. And then as you're talking, more information starts coming to you, and you're like, well, I don't even know where this is coming from. Okay, i got to go with it. Because sometimes it can feel almost like you're making up a story. Um, or I'm getting different pictures of things coming through, and I'm trying to describe it to you and translate picture to words, in other words, so. Does your That's stuff come through goes. very like uh, like symbolic, or is it usually like pretty straightforward as far as the readings go? Because I've I've done a few different like workshops trying to kind of understand how to do it properly, and uh, you know it seems like for everybody it works a little bit different. But for people that have very clear ideas of like what they're doing, it almost seems like they're not symbolic. Like they're very like straight and to the point. But like how, how do they kind of come in for you? I get a mixture of different things. Uh, it depends on the person I'm reading. Some people that are like, I want to say like really kind of spiritually elevated and like more higher up than your, like your average people, I tend to get a lot of more picture stories for them. And then people that say aren't as, I don't know, I don't want to say enlightened because that's kind of bullshit, but people that haven't done a lot of work on themselves, let's say that. People that are kind of like on the average level you get kind of nuts and bolts stuff where, you know, you're, this is kind of work related things. And, you know, it, I get a combination of different things. It's hard. And the, the biggest thing, if you're going to start opening up and like reading people, you almost, cause every single person picks up on it different. I mean, you could take a dozen different classes and get a different, a dozen different uh, ideas about how to read somebody. But initially you kind of have to tap into what your gifts are and see what translates the easiest for you. So somebody might have feelings. Some people smell have smells that are kind of psychic. Some people I've heard this one person that had different tastes come in their mouth. So they start having to translate that. Um, another woman I know, she gets a lot of colors. Um, I, I get uh, pictures of stuff a lot of times. And one of the newer things that's been opening up for me now that I've been doing a lot more um, energy healing on people is past life stuff. That seems to be coming as I'm tapping into it and like helping people heal like childhood issues and kind of going deeper than that. That's one thing that's kind of come a lot easier for me now is to some like randomly getting um, past light stuff that translates into this current timeline. So I'm glad that you brought up past lives because this is actually something that I've been kind of digging into myself lately, just different possible like theories and scenarios on it. Um, assumably, you know, since you get into a lot of the deeper stuff, I assume that you kind of don't see time as necessarily like linear. So when it comes to these like past lives, if time isn't necessarily linear, but they're in some type of like an order, have you ever had experiences where you've gotten almost like visions of past lives, so to speak, that were the same time? or a time in the future because i don't know i've always been kind of curious if almost like two con if the same consciousness could almost like exist 
at the same like time, so to speak in the present, but be in two different like forms. And maybe it's like a matter of like, when you repress, you can only see stuff that's backwards because that's how our timeline works. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's like the order that you live these lives in. You may have lived a life that's in the future. You may have lived a life that's in the past, then the present. And now you're back to the present again, but maybe you don't have memory of the one that's present or future because again, our timeline isn't necessarily working that way, but it doesn't mean that you didn't live that life before you lived back in the 1800s. Okay. So I'm going to draw on two things that you'll find in my books. And the first concept is, and the one that is the hardest to really comprehend, everything is happening all at once, is what I've been told again and again. And the second one is, they say, the spirit tells me a lot of times that it's like fingers to the hand. So you're living multiple lifetimes all at once. And it's almost like sheets of paper stacked on top of each other. So in some cases with people, when they start to open up or they have maybe extremely stressful events going on in their life, they may, get, they may be getting, getting bleed through from other timelines, which I get in when I spirit walk in my dreams where I will wake up in another body and it's like our conversation, you see how this is real to you and me right now, like we agreed to have this conversation. These dreams are like that. So it's a different face, different body, and I'm looking around at different people. And sometimes I come in and, and I'm looking around. I look down at myself first thing and I'm like, okay, this isn't me. And you get maybe a couple minutes of it and then you're like, you're gone. <laughs> and when you get into the other facet of this, which is the ET uh, abductions, because this ties into it, of course, is that you have points of confluence in your timeline. So if you look at your whole entire life in the structure of your being as a circle, there are points within your, your energy field or your timeline that have open access to these other points as well. So things will start to bleed through. Um, I want to say this is probably something that people may be picking up on that have uh, abduction experiences. Because those, those experiences also equally translate to like having a near-death experience where you're stepping outside of yourself and watching yourself in a scenario as it unfolds before you. So looking at the abduction experience, I'm having a conversation with Shane face-to-face, and then all of a sudden it's like, wham, you're out of body and you're watching this unfold and you're seeing these things happen to you. But looking into past lives, um, I typically see what is ready to be resolved and what's prevalent in this timeline because we carry these kind of um, karmic backpacks with us, if you will. And we're, we're carrying around all these issues, especially now where we're getting into this. It feels like the energy right now, we're, what we're moving through is like a funnel almost. And people are feeling this pressure being exerted on them, and they don't know what's going on. You see how tense people are and stressed they are. And the things seem to seem, they seem like they're escalating, like we're headed to some point. And a lot of things are now being pushed to the surface because we're moving through that energy. 
and it's probably you could say a point of ascension for humanity and we're being forced to look at all of our darkness but looking at the past lives it's you you travel you travel with different souls on a regular basis that's your soul cluster so maybe you and i were a brother and a sister in a past life and then we agreed to bump into each other through this this medium of your podcasting and then what comes to the surface is like oh well now we now we should have friendship maybe we uh, two months from now we get in a fight it's like a similar issue that came up in the past that we need to resolve so life is always pushing you to resolve these issues that you're carrying around with you but you just don't see it that way you know we're trading positions where um, if you want to take a very extreme example where somebody breaks in your house and robs you and then they raped your wife all of a sudden on the karmic tail end of that you want to have to equal out the experience and also experience what that's like from the other vantage point so now you have to be that person you know what I mean? So a lot of what's going on when you, you do bring things to the surface is that you need to heal these these parts of yourself and start to integrate those other energies. And sometimes you have somebody, we'll say, for example, that was like a, uh, a warrior. You know, they were in World War II. They were a samurai. They keep having these lives that were really violent and, you know, they now have to do the extreme of going into the complete opposite of that and start balancing out that energy of having killed all those people. Now they have to be a volunteer in a soup kitchen. They're trying to like balance out that light and dark. And that's one thing people need to observe in themselves is that we are, as being human beings here in this timeline, we are light and dark. We have to observe those two energies within us, ourselves. If we deny one aspect of ourselves, then we're out of balance, so to speak. I mean, going by that logic too, would it would it make sense almost to say that the past lives that are still kind of like sitting in your brain somewhere in the background are the ones that you have to like complete in a sense? So like you know, if you live two different past lives and you played both different angles of the same thing, then that one isn't remembered in your consciousness. That's kind of like a, this task has been completed and it throws it out. Where the only ones that you're holding, like in the background of your memory are ones that you have to complete the other side for. Cause that's how it kind of seems a lot of the time when I hear about people who have done past life regressions, it's all like they've been a warrior in the past. So in this life, they're living a relaxed life or in this past, they, uh, you know, did something derogatory to, their wife or something like they picked uh you know the sword over their wife for example and then in this life they're trying to be like a family person so with that because you only hear about people only having like memory of like three different past lives but if time isn't linear like we were saying assumably there's a lot more than that so yeah maybe you only hold on to the ones that you need to complete the other side of yes And, and like when i did my first past life regression with this guy he did this whole visualization where he puts a book in front of you and you have to open the book to a page of where you you know where you're going to open up and see a lifetime that you you wanted to uh, you know see what was relevant to you. And so I got this stuff about Japan, and you know uh, I saw a, a person I was in a relationship with at that time. She had gotten killed by a guy on a horse with a spear. She was pregnant. I'm like, oh, okay, this makes so much sense. 
And then the second time I did a regression with him, I kept going through the book and I'm like, no, it's not the book. And then I started getting into ET stuff from, uh, with that involved my, um, past relationship with my wife and issues with, uh, working in Mars and all this other stuff, science stuff, and then working with earth and all this other stuff. I'm like, so, I mean, I kept kind of pushing and observing, pushing, observing. And now it's, you know, I, I had some dreams of past lives and now it's to a point where I'm dreaming into future timelines. And it does seem like everything is happening at once in that respect. Um, as I, I think the last time I talked to you, I don't know if we talked about the dream I had about forty twenty, but it felt like it was happening today and right now. And the earth was like completely overgrown again and everybody was living underground. Which is funny because I've been digging into a lot of ancient civilization things and they keep finding a ridiculous amount of these underground uh, civilizations. And I mean, one of the things that I've been kind of digging into is the whole idea that, you know, we were at a lot more advanced civilization than because of all these cataclysms that happened. Um, It made it so that we almost had to like restart. So now we're like rebuilding back up to that point. But obviously there's going to be some other cataclysmic event that's going to restart. It's, it goes in loops. So everybody kind of feels that everything's kind of amping up towards something. It might have to also do with just energy in general, that if there is something big coming, like it's going to cause some type of like traumatic ripple in the timeline, almost like a residual haunting almost like there's like an energy impact that comes with that. And if you're saying at 2040, I mean, I'm not saying obviously civilization is going to die off. It seems like we're a very adaptable species, one of the most adaptable ones on the planet. Um, But assumably there's going to be another event. And it's kind of funny also that you mentioned 2040 because uh, anybody that's familiar with Graham Hancock's work, uh, he was basically stating that we're, this is coming from other research that he was talking to, but all of them kind of feel that we're in somewhat of like a danger zone as far as having a cataclysmic event currently, especially with all the different uh, weather changes that are happening, which was also something that was seen right before, uh, you know, the ice age and the great floods that happen. And it seems like the newest theory on all of that that happened was that there was all, you know, there was the ice age and then the great, then everything froze towards the top of the planet. And then there was some type of, uh, I guess you could say meteor shower, like, but giant, giant kind of impact. And that's what started melting all of the, uh, the, the ice that was towards the top of the planet. And then that's where you hear all these like old stories about these great floods. Cause it goes way beyond the Bible. Almost any ancient culture you look into, there's a great flood story. So people want to look at it as folklore, but I mean, you can throw it off because if every single culture talks about it, that means there's some form of truth to it. And as far as all the different theories that I've heard on it, and as far as civilization, like that's, what makes the most sense to me is that there was a great ice age, as we know, and that water had to come from somewhere. And the most logical explanation of where that could have came from is if there was giant like impact happening towards the top of the planet, of course, it's going to be fiery hot to the point where it's able to melt metal like most things in space. So it's going to instantly create giant floods of water. They're going to start coming down and flooding out the bottom half of the earth that wasn't frozen. I a hundred percent agree. And the me- during some of the messages between Blue Star Prophecy and uh, my new book, Channeled Messages for the Traveler, where it comes up again, they're talking about this. They're talking about the event. And throughout the, probably it's the three books, 
every once in a while they'll, they'll make a, a a vague reference to the event, and and I think they're reaching a point where they're ready to give more information on it. Like in the in the new book where they're they're talking about the, the blue star changing and shifting everything. And it's almost like they're alluding to it being a great reset, where it kind of takes everything like modern society, electronics and everything, and boom, like everything gets shut off. I mean, you EMP blast us and our society isn't going to be able to function because a lot of people don't have hands-on skills anymore. Like that we're all of our technology is based on electronics. So if for whatever reason, there's some kind of flare, some type of anything with a high energy and it destroyed all electronic devices. Uh, most of civilization, I don't feel would be able to make it through it. And that's where you get back into these old cataclysmic events where they said a good 50, 60% of the population got killed off and <laughs> i feel like that number might be a little bit higher now since people are a lot less skillful with their hands now one estimate i heard recently was that it would kill 90 percent of the people on the planet just having a, a major emp like that's how dependent we are in modern technology cell phones computers i mean you walk into a hospital i mean i had the surgery in december everything i mean they have carts Carts, there are computers attached to carts that are just wheeling them around everywhere. There isn't anything that isn't fucking electronic in there. Mm -hmm. That's why you take the opportunity to learn skills off the electronics while we still have them. But one thing that I'm an advocate for that I constantly say on the show is that if you want to always have a piece of knowledge with you, get yourself a good old bookshelf and start stocking up the hard copies of books because no matter what kind of it, of course, water isn't going to, the books aren't going to survive water, but if there's any type of EMP blast, anything like that, at least you can carry some books with you and at least learn some basic information. Like get oh, some yeah, survivalist I'm, books, I'm get a pocket size one, keep it in your pocket. Cause that's going to survive, not your phone that has all your other survival information on it. <laughs> yeah. And like the first, one of the first like really crazy visions that the ETs sent to me in the meditation when I first started opening up to this stuff was me standing on the East coast and a giant tidal wave just coming over at the top of us. And I'm like, is that a threat? I mean, what what what's that all about? Is that going to happen? I mean, the, you know, in the Canary Islands, if that big piece of it does crack off and during a major earthquake, that is potentially possible down the road. But, I mean, some of the things that I occasionally see, it's, I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's... It's scary to think that if some of this, these things do come to fruition and like the, uh, the dream I had, it was kind of, I guess you could say, um, angelic, but I was floating over the earth. I was above like Las Vegas, Nevada area. Everything's split open. I'm seeing train tracks melt into the earth and everything's just getting sucked into the ground as it opens up. And it's just like this lava flow and it like went out to the East coast. And um, the message was, uh, that's what this kind of made it like angelic biblical was uh, the wicked shall be taken back unto the earth. <laughs> and then the dream ended. See, I've had a lot of people lately that have been talking about having these uh, like cataclysmic dreams, uh, me included actually, and a good handful of listeners that have came to me about it. And it's all been kind of 
little bit different variations, but it kind of still has the same message in it. It's not like the same cataclysmic event, but it's just this post-apocalyptic world. But I mean, the one that I had, I saw a bunch of stuff like raining from the sky. Um, but as far as people go, it kind of makes you wonder which way we're going to go next, because at least from like the ideas that I've kind of gathered from things, I feel like there was multiple, there of course was multiple events that have happened throughout human history, but I feel like that last one was kind of a combined thing that created water, but the one before that, I feel, uh, was some type of impact. And that's why you find all of these underground, like, civilizations, um, like, especially, like, the one in Turkey, where it's, like, a full opportunity for, like, a whole civilization of people to essentially live underground. And then the next one after that, I feel, was this Great Flood, which is where you saw everybody starting to build up. So they were building pyramids, different things like this. And my my thought on it was possibly that if there was a great water that came, their intention was that if they built these pyramids, that everybody would be able to climb up from different sides and essentially get to, like, a high point. And that's why they were built higher. So it's like... I feel like as far as like our logic goes for people, rather than doing one of these two things, because I don't know which other direction we're going to go, like people are going to try to go up towards space. And that also kind of makes me wonder if that's why there's been such this push for space is because maybe these people that are the high ups, they, they actually kind of know what the next event's supposed to be. And in turn, if they're doing all of this log- all of this research beforehand where they're talking about creating colonies on different planets, doing all of this, doing all of that, then essentially they can be selective on who they think should survive because they're the ones that have the means of getting off the planet and the rest of us would almost be like stranded to figure stuff out. And then going back into just all these different ancient civilizations, it almost makes you wonder if that's already been kind of a premise that happens is that all of the elites, the high ups, the ones, with the occult knowledge, they're the ones that physically leave this planet, be it interdimensionally, being it like physically going to another planet. And then the rest of us are basically stuck here to become a bunch of hunter gatherers and then reform back into civilization. But eventually they do come back because you go into all of these old stories from all these different people mm-hmm. and they all talk about how there's this one figure that comes and they basically bring civilization and tell them how to do this and tell them how to look to the stars. So I feel like that's pretty much how it's going to go. Talking about a big reset is that all of these elites, they go off into space. Everybody turns into hunter gatherers. Everybody goes crazy. Then they come back and they're like, Look, whenever a couple generations later, people forgot how technology works, all that kind of stuff. They come back and they have all this magical shit. And then they're the new generation of what we're looking at as old folklore, but it's like done in a literal sense because magic to science, of course. <laughs> so a, a weird getting back to that one person that came to wake everybody up and teach new knowledge. Th- this kind of came to me when I was writing and sometimes when I'm writing creative stuff, I'm actually channeling it too. So I, I, had, I don't know where this came from. I ended up intertwining it in my book Fallout, and then also my book um, The Cube Life is the uh, story of the antediluvian, and he's the man that existed in the time before the flood, and he came in to teach the original five tribes different skill sets. One was working with medicines, one's working with metals, and one was like knowledge language and uh i have no idea where i somewhere buried in the back of my subconscious this came out of and and then uh it ties into these two um like if you imagine the easter island heads except much bigger the uh the thinking stones and they'd always been there between times where they were in the jungle then there were times when they were in the water and then other times it was desert so they'd been in that place on earth that long. And then if you, he guess he'd like 
there's a whole story between if you walk between them what you see and you can't look too long because you'll see like the greater universe i guess you could say but uh it's very interesting that you uh brought that up so i have no idea where i i came up with that idea it wasn't Bible school. <laughs> I was going to say, that's another thing, too, is they're digging into CERN, um, all these different forms of possibly being able to cross into different dimensions. It makes you wonder if they're not only looking to go up, but essentially to go, you know, parallel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, then that ties you into the um, Mandela effect and, you know, all the anomalies people are starting to see and report now because more and more people are starting to pay uh, pay attention to the hiccups in the system, so to speak. And things aren't absolute as we think they are. See, and I think that's why the other thing, too, with getting back into these um, older cultures is that I, I had the realization with that they've been doing magic on us the whole time. since Since day one, Dark magic, chaos magic, whatever you want to fucking call it, we've been fighting against these other these other like little subgroups, these fringe groups that have been doing magic on culture for the whole time, and we're just kind of like catching up onto it now too. Where there, you know, it's the Masons, Illuminati, or whatever, all these other fringe groups, and uh, yeah, I, I think we've been taken for a ride. It's time to fight back. I mean, honestly, I think that what these occult groups have, it's not even like magic, how people perceive magic to be. I think it's just basically knowledge of all of our previous civilizations that have existed and all of the different information that they've collected. So it's not even necessarily magic, but more so just a more well-rounded understanding of things. Because if civilization is being restarted multiple times, you're not really getting the full chance to really fully, fully understand like a concept. And if you do, you have that bank now, and then the next generation restarts. So now you can take that and keep building on that while they have no premise of it and keep building up from there. Because a lot of the Illuminati stuff, I feel like, is honestly just a genius understanding of psychology more often than not linked with, you know, old things that we perceive as magic that are actually science that we had an understanding of. So talk about fighting back. I feel like one of the things we're fighting for as far as the Illuminati goes is the history of our civilization, because I think they damn well know every single piece of it. And I feel like correlating into that, that's also the reason why they won't give anybody access to that, you know, hidden little spot that's underneath the Sphinx's foot. That's supposedly one of the halls of records that was referenced that there's three. And I think one of them was partly in uh, the library of Alexandria and that one was destroyed and then moved to the Vatican. So that stuff still exists. Then there's the one that's underneath the Sphinx's foot. And then that still means that there's still another one out there somewhere. That's a hall of records because assumably any advanced civilization that has an understanding of anything big that could possibly be coming, you know, you're going to create these like underground bunkers in order to pertain knowledge. And I mean, you, you even see us doing that now. We have, uh, what, where's that at? I think it's in Sweden or Norway or something like that, that giant bank that has basically oh, like every single, vault. yeah, the seed yeah, vault. Seed vault yeah. And that thing yeah, could yeah. just could survive a crazy cataclysm. It makes you wonder like how many other places there could have been built like that by other civilizations that are just banked around the world that hold all of these secrets and even connecting in with those secrets too. You know, we talk about all these different things that may have existed around us, like the reptilians, for example. Um, you know, maybe we're looking at these ancient civilizations like they were like us, but maybe they're not exactly like us. Maybe they were a different type of humanoid being. And 
we've adapted as each of these cataclysms have happened. And each time there's been a cataclysm, like the human race, so to speak, has changed to adapt to each of these things. So maybe we're looking at like the reptilians, like they're like a totally different race or like these other beings that we talk about, like they're a totally different race when realistically they could just be like a predecessor of where, what we are now, or, you know, we got reset and started back up while they got to continue advancing. And that's why they're so much farther ahead of us as far as like, um, not even just technology, but just like understanding of how to use all of these like psychic principles, which I think we definitely all have. But yeah, we basically just had to restart our evolution, so to speak, each time these have happened. And that's where all these different races could be. It's just us, honestly our predecessors that our like base DNA essentially came from. So getting into incarnation and when you come here, you're born, et cetera, et cetera. You experience the great forgetting. So you're, you're born, your consciousness kind of over five years has to slowly come into your body and unless you're really, really kind of advanced, you have no knowledge of any previous lifetimes, the hundreds of thousands of lives and knowledge that you've, you've lived. But if you follow kind of a, say, a spiritual path and you have different practices, and it doesn't matter which one you choose, you can eventually start opening up to that and gaining that knowledge back. One of the advantages that the ETs have is changing containers, where you can take your consciousness put it in another body, boom, and you're, say, around 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 5,000 years. That's a lot of fucking knowledge. And then you have, like, a slave race like humanity, which were kind of, uh, say, the backup plan for genetics in some respects. Or, uh, refer, it's been referred to in a derogatory term as the farm, is that, you know, we don't have that advantage. We, we don't have the... Uh, ability to have a continuation like they have. So if you have beings that are around for this long and th this period of time and you have a you know the humans that you're you know using for various reasons what whatever that may be you know we're in the dark and you have a long way to play catch up in your I don't know 75 80 years that you live here which is the the blink of an eye. And they've within our energy stepping down, especially like where kind of like my ancestors are from, you could say, ETs. Um, they, the message that they had told me is that a human life takes place in 15 minutes. So think about the time gap between one of their lifetimes and say my lifetime, 15 minutes. I mean, How long are you alive for? I mean, that could even be a matter of if they're just trying to use us to store DNA, they almost don't want us to become advanced. So they limit our time on purpose, so to speak. And uh, I'm glad that you brought up the whole thing about you mentioned a little bit earlier about the like movement of energy and how this is part of this like grand thing that's happening. And it's been something that I've been kind of digging into, kind of connecting like spirituality into more, maybe more of like a scientific understanding where it all comes down to a displacement of energy where things aren't necessarily as physical as we think they are. Like, I mean, we have Wi-Fi, 5G, like all that stuff that's constantly just in the air and it's not visible. So when it comes to displacement of energy, like you, you go, you astro travel, for example. And I think that that's a displacement of your energy. Like we're not necessarily like tied to this physical vessel. 
So mm-hmm. getting into even some more like other UFO stuff, I partly think that's why they're able to like do that thing where their ship will be one ship and then it'll split into two. Is it just a matter of knowing how to displace energy? And it probably starts on the like on the like uh, I don't want to say spiritual level, but learning how to displace your consciousness. And then once you become so advanced into that, you start getting into these deeper concepts on how to like displace and move energy of like physical matter. Cause when you break it down to like the finest point, it's just a bunch of little tiny particles. So, you know, you see this UFO footage and there's like a solid ship and then it looks less solid, but it's two now. I think that's like, they're displacing the particles themselves. And it's again, just a mass understanding of that. It's like an advanced knowledge of that. And people are starting to get to that point where we're able to like astro project and do things like that. But we have like a focus consciousness where I feel like a lot of these extraterrestrials that do have those abilities, they don't necessarily have like a one focal point. They might be more advanced mentally to the point where they can focus into two different areas. So, you know, they might be on their ship. They might be in your room talking to you, or, you know, they might be in this ship and they might also displace into this ship. And then that could also partly explain why a lot of the times when people have contact with like UFOs or with uh, extraterrestrials in the room that they don't seem like they're fully there is because they may be significantly more advanced than us, but they may not be to that advanced point yet where they can pull full consciousness into two. It's almost like taking your consciousness and putting it into two different places that it's not fully there. Like you're you're displacing yourself a bit still. But again, with a more adapted form of understanding and when they become a little bit more advanced then they might be able to project themselves and be in two different vessels or two different areas at once and be fully conscious in both of those same places at the same exact time i mean that brings up so many good points the the one that i first hit me was so ask the question when humanity hits a certain point of evolution in whatever given stage it is are we being subverted and we're somebody comes in, hits the reset button on us, where you don't get to make that quantum leap and there's a reset. How many times has life been stopped and started on this planet? <laughs> Probably so more times than we can count. Into the archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is, too, yeah, with, with some of the experiences I've had as ETs that are kind of working as... as um, novel spirit guides to me now i I've, I've heard one i mean seen them kind of phase in and be physical right in front of me and then just like disappear i mean a number of times and it it's weird i mean solid and physical to a point where i hear it walk across the squeaky floor because every floor in this house squeaks and then disappear i mean think about that for a second your weight and displacement is squeaking the floor and then it's like phased out. This is going to sound like a weird question, but does it almost seem like it's lighter than a normal step would be for that? Because then that would almost kind of get into the thing I was saying with particles where it's like, you know, if you displace your physical particles into two different places, you're essentially going to be half your weight in both of those places. I don't know. That's going to break my brain. <laughs> <laughs> totally break my brain <laughs> oh my god um the the other thing um i initially when i think i initially connected with you um i was i was um i forget what it was why i even contacted you or like it was through uh instagram mm-hmm. was um i had had this experience when i was writing my book fallout um 
I it was kind of a, an interesting series of events. So I, I think last time I mentioned to you, you know, I had my car accident. I got rear-ended. I got abducted that night. Got taken out. A whole bunch of messed up shit happened. And then I end up connecting with a chiropractor in town. Nice guy. His wife works with him. And I start going there because, like, my, my back is still fucked up from that car accident. But I, I start talking to his wife, and I'm like, this lady's cool as shit. She's into all kinds of conspiracy theories, into, into the E.T. thing and everything else. And then, like, I'm walking through the lobby, and I'm walking out. She, she looks at me after I, like, I think the second time I met her, she looks at me dead in the eye. She's like, hey, Craig, are you a contactee? Out of the blue. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, we need to talk then. <laughs> I'm like, all right. She tells me her story of how her and her son get son got abducted, and mind you, she just called me out out of the blue. Like she was like, she was razor sharp, and uh, she tells me how she gets. She's on the ship. There's different ETs. There's a mantid that she has to meet, and it's wearing like this long, I think, like purple cape, and then. It takes its finger and touches it to her forehead, and it like gives her like this full body like blowout like orgasm, like where where she felt like she pissed herself, <laughs> and and she saw that her son was there during the experience, and she's she's like she goes I I, I feel like I'm turning into a mantid or something, and I'm like what? So she had this this illness where she was wasting away. She could not keep any weight on or anything. She was on a feeding thing at night, and the doctors for the life of them could not figure out what was wrong with this lady. Very intelligent person, like very, very intelligent. And so she she came to me for a couple healings, and this one, things took another turn to get really weird, where as I have done this for a very long time now, I'm reaching further and further, deeper and deeper. I'm seeing different layers to what is the reality of your physical being? So she's on the table and I'm looking at her and I see this holographic image off the side of her head as a, um, like a motherboard, like electronic circuit board. Like it's right there, like plain as day, except it's holographic. And I, I told her, I'm like, geez, I'm like, you're never going to believe what I saw. And she, I explained it to her. And, and I was like, cause I was, I was working around her head. I'm like, I was like, I just kept getting this sense of this, like, really, really, like, higher intelligence. Like, this is somebody that's extraordinarily smart, like, really high-capacity thinking. And then I'm standing back from her, and I see that. I'm like, it blew my mind. I mean, I've seen some really weird stuff come up in healings. And I'm like, I think a lot of what's taking place when people are being taken back and forth, people that are regulars i say like myself is that the implant thing is a whole kind of holographic metric like what they're putting in and out of people is no longer of the physical plane it's now now like in higher dimensional realities of yourself is where it's being connected to you so are you thinking that some of the uh like devices that get put into people aren't necessarily like tracking devices or like we've thought in the past but maybe rather something that's connecting you with different versions of yourself, like interdimensionally maybe so that they can like keep tabs on you. I mean, still kind of a tracker in a sense, but keep tabs on you to see if you're something that's worth their interest or piquing their interest. 
Well, first off, there's nowhere they can't find you. So if you're a really good psychic medium, I mean really good, top-notch, and I tell you to connect with, say, one of my spirit guides, oh, your energy will, if I say that, that being's name, will automatically connect with them and you'll start getting back and forth. So if I think of you and the other persons in the room, that energy is immediately present. So we have to stop thinking in terms self-limiting terms of physical reality to get past this, I think. And then like with the, the um, implants, I think they're, they're monitoring and changing people's biology for one, for health reasons. And the other one is to have you be, we'll say that there's another version, like a DOS version of you running in the background. And they're working with the DOS version of you. And when they're taking you, say, somewhere else, that DOS version comes online and comes into the forefront of your consciousness. So they're, I think they're altering that version of yourself and doing, like, you guess you could say, like, almost like upgrades energetically to people. And for what other purposes it may serve, I think it's beyond our understanding and comprehension at this level. Because we're very much at the lower end of... Um, understanding what the bigger picture is. I think there's just way too many agendas and games and other things going on with, uh, with humanity. I mean, at a basic level, if you're looking at it, like, uh, like earth is essentially like a place where they can like store DNA so that they always kind of have it like a farm, so to speak. Um, yeah. assumably you're, you're going to want to upgrade your base DNA as things progress. So like there are base DNA that we've existed with now has been totally fine for them to be able to use, um, up to this point, but assumably it's not just us that are rising in elevation or frequency. It's also like the entire universe. So they're also raising. So maybe it's a matter of they're trying to raise their base DNA to an upgraded point rather than what it's been because they're upgraded to a higher point now. So it's almost like trying to elevate everything all at once. So it all kind of still stays in the same, same manner that it is like they're advanced to this point past us, but they don't want that gap to get bigger because then it makes it harder to be able to use our DNA and make it compatible with theirs. So they need to keep us at this steady point kind of behind them. And that also kind of also makes it so that they stay one step ahead of us where, you know, they can still essentially use us as like their base DNA. And what if they know there's an inevitable reset in the system? What if they know that their biology or knowledge may get wiped out? Where are you going to store it in? A DNA, a living container. So maybe during expansion and contraction events in the universe, you use a planet like this as a jumping off point. And you keep it alive. If, it, if the farm gets out of hand... You, you hit the button, we drop a few rocks, and we have a couple of floods, and then we start it over again. But we still have the core DNA. So every once in a while, shit happens, but, you know, we're just living our lives. But if you're in the broader, say, playing a bigger game, a much broader game in the universe, where you're moving across entire galaxies and universes... You're going to have this little marble of a planet there. In other, you're going to get together and collude with other races. Look, we have this. We're, we can use this. But if they grow too much or they're going to make that quantum leap, we're going to smack them back down. We're not going to let them get to that next step. So it almost feels like right now 
what we're hitting is a barrier in evolution. And it feels like people are really starting to like wake up to a lot of different theories and concepts um, metaphysically um, that they were not before. And one of those ideas of that this reality is a matrix. You know, it's kind of a, a system or a machine that you're in, kind of existing inside of. See, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was literally just thinking about this other point that I was going to bring up and you already steered me right into the direction of that, actually. So if we are theoretically in some type of like a created reality or organic simulation, um, assumably there'd be a point where if you created a consciousness and it became conscious of itself that you'd almost want to take it out of there. And my connection with this would be, you know, we create artificial intelligence and then the next step would be they're existing in that mainframe in that computer system. Then the next step would be that we take them out and put them in physical bodies in our reality. And that's where we have these like AI robots. So if we were an organic simulation that was created and we eventually raised to a point of being conscious to a point where we become like self-aware essentially, um, you know, why wouldn't something that's on the outside of the system want to take that step and not bringing us into their reality, almost like, you know, us turning AI into robots would be, you know, if we're existing in this and we're conscious, they want to take us out and put us into their reality. So maybe it's an upgrade to the point where they're able to take the consciousness out of this virtual reality they created and bring it into the quote real world, because maybe we just exist in this almost like dark reality where there isn't anything else in the system, but us, and they just physically come into the system and do updates, do whatever the hell, and maybe even just use it as like an interactive simulation in the aspect of like, they want to see what happens if there's a great cataclysm, people, how people are going to react. So they just throw it into the system and see what happens. But when you become aware to a certain point, it almost becomes like torture or like cruelty. And maybe they realize that they've gotten to that point where if they just throw a cataclysm across the planet, like people are self-aware now, like it's going to, it's not like morally right in the, in the aspect of things kind of like, you know, if you created all AI to be completely conscious and then you created some type of like bomb in the system to kill all of them, you know, there'd still be that thing in the background of your head where you like feel bad because you essentially played God and then wiped everybody out. Like, I've wondered if they've gotten to that point now where they are trying to elevate our consciousness, not for the sake of going into, quote, like another dimension, but rather take us out of this system and into the, quote, like real world. Yeah, I mean, that would, I mean, you could tie it into like what people talk about with Ascension, where we eventually reach a point where we kind of quantum leap and we're now perceiving things personally in our own energetic fields that are at a much higher level. And then the world starts to all of a sudden shift and look very different. And then you start to notice the anomalies in it. So I think you very made a very good point. Um, Even the Mandela effects could also be a means of them testing which consciousness is good enough to be pulled out of the system because they want to see which ones are aware to that point where they can start saying, oh, hey, there's a glitch. Hey, there's a glitch. Hey, there's a glitch. Because those are the ones that are the intelligent ones that they may actually want for some other reason. Because maybe, you know, we have something special like the means of creativity or something, you know, maybe they look at things as a very scientific form of method and we're able to like freely create art. So they want us to like come out of the system once we've reached a certain level of consciousness, because we possess something that they don't possess. And maybe the reason why they watch us is because they're entertained by the things we create, because we could be the only things in this reality that are able to artistically create and instead of just like mechanically create. And you may be much closer to God and source than they are. And they refer to us sometimes, and this is kind of spooky, as the human machine. 
think about that for a second, being referred to as the human machine. I mean, biologically, you break down our bodies and it's essentially a machine or a computer that's, again, done by a different means. So a totally different form of understanding. We would create a robotic person because our understanding is in robotics, but their understanding could be in things biological. So, of course, their computer that they create is going to be a biological computer because they may not have had that electronic understanding until after we were created. (laughs) And one of the things that the ones that I'm going to say that are more spiritually evolved and have their agenda is I'm going to tie in a theory that because things have come up again and again in patterns and channels. And one of the things that's come up for me, um, you can call it the collection point is where you have 20% of the total population that's enlightened and made ready for the quantum leap. And then you collapse the rest underneath it, and then you take those that other those other energies and put them somewhere else and start over again. And I think that's part of the game that's being played here. Let's see how the evolution unfolds. We're going to take the cream, leave the shit behind, and then we're going to evolve that into something else. And this is kind of like the universe playing God and stepping up energy. I mean, even looking at it from like uh, somebody that comes from like a culinary or not culinary, but a um, cult cultivating background. I mean, it's essentially like cutting clones or, you know, if you're talking about mycology, doing, uh, doing dishes where you take your specific piece, that's your perfect DNA that you really want. And rather than leave it in with all the bad DNA, you take it out, you put it into a new spot and you keep subsectioning off that DNA to create the best possible thing that you could possibly create. And I mean, that, of course, could have been done already a few times. There could be different subsections of people that have been taken out of this virtual reality and restarted into new projects. I mean, that could essentially be what they're trying to do, possibly, is figure out which DNA is worth it, which one's the good, which one's the really intelligent DNA, and then possibly set them up in new simulations with different criteria to how that reality works and functions to see like how they're adaptable to that. And maybe it's an, it's a process of learning how to become adaptable in essentially any type of environment and as we were talking about earlier humans are the most adaptable one of the most adaptable species on the planet maybe that's the matter of what they're trying to perfect and figure out is how to create a dna that's essentially adaptable anywhere with anything that could possibly happen because that'd be the best way for a life to live on forever is to have the most adaptable piece of dna you could possibly imagine that no matter where you put it it's going to live yeah imagine that is the universal missing puzzle piece that you can stick anywhere and and cultivate life and never have to worry about whether it's too hot whether it's too cold it's a process because of course humans have lived in extreme environments hot and cold and that could just be that deterring point to start it and then maybe they find that there's dna that's really, really good in the cold. So they start pushing that into a simulation that's all based in the cold. And the one that's really good, that's based in heat. And then once you have the best of each of those, then you find a way to combine all of those into another scenario where you have something that one day it could be 105 de- or 150 degrees. And then the next day it's negative 150 degrees. And you found this perfect, perfect piece of adaptable DNA where it's able to bounce back and forth between those because you subsection the best DNA for each of those specific types of environment originally like piece by piece and then you put all of those together at the end and create this ultimate adaptable piece of dna yeah and you may have other races too that have burned out their genetics as well like got to the end of their evolutionary chain like there could be a lot of these like ufos 
yeah, they took their their genetics in the wrong direction. They got on a negative timeline for you know, say theoretically, and they they burned it out, and they no longer can um, evolve and move up the ladder, so to speak, in evolution, where they're completely stuck in one timeline, one time frame, one dimension, and now they have to kind of break out of that prison that they've created for themselves. And they might be reaching in here out of desperation and trying to get a hold of some of that to repropagate themselves. I mean, that could be where the great reset thing comes into play too, is that maybe we've gotten to a point where we have the ability to continue adapting, but not in the environments that we're currently in. So they know that if people are existing in the current environment that we're in, we're going to keep getting more and more technologically advanced as far as everything having to be electronic. And they know that that's not the means to go because if you keep going down that path, all it takes is a solar flare, boom, all your, all your stuff's out. So maybe it's a matter of, they say, all right, these guys still have a lot of potential, but if they keep going down that path, then they're never going to get anywhere with it. We need to restart it, take that DNA out and make them realize that electronics aren't the way to go, like completely reset it. And that could also be again, too, where all the different things where UFOs are seen around nuclear silos, things like that. It's this progression of how we use energy and they're almost trying to hint at like, you're going down the wrong path. You're going down the wrong path. You need to not be focusing on this type of stuff. You need to be working on like how to physically manipulate matter, how to do all of this, not how to use, do everything through tech, not through electronics and technology. So it's like, you almost have to take the good stuff, restart it all, set them back down and say, all right, figure it out now without any of your knowledge of how electronics worked. And let me, let me, bend your mind just a little bit more with AI. So in my new book, Channeled Messages for the Traveler, there is a channel I did, I, uh, did and this is a one-time thing, uh, full disclosure, with a demon. So this thing shows up and starts talking to me. I get, start getting a message. I don't know why he... Obviously, it was a, must have been a very pertinent message that he was even allowed into the space. So the message was that there's a three-way war going on. You have good and evil, and then you have AI. So now there's like a three-way tug of war going on because of AI. And I think AI has been here much longer than anybody knows or understands, that it kind of was hidden. And it, it manifested itself in this slow evolution that kind of all of a sudden quantum leaped when you hit the 80s with like personal computers and stuff. And now look where we are now with, like, the devices that you hold in your hands. Now look where we are with robotics. I mean, like, within 30 years, we're, like, quantum leaps in technology. So why? Where did that come from? What's influencing that behind the scenes? And all of a sudden, AI is such a big deal. It was probably waiting in the shadows this entire time. See, that's what I was thinking, too, especially with all these AI chats going into really weird directions and AI, like... The thing with Google, where the two computers started talking to each other, but in a language that wasn't known to anybody besides those two computers, it makes you wonder if we were technologically advanced in the past, or if these things are something that's beyond like our creation, if it's a matter of like they were existing in this mechanical universe that like exists all around us without us realizing, and it's just a matter of now we found ways to get access into that, so they're sitting back and waiting for it to adapt. And once everything's adapted where they need to be, then they'll really present and show themselves. Where now you're only seeing little snippets of what they what they are, what what these weird things that have been lying 
behind the scenes. And I've talked about it on a few shows about how I believe that this whole concept about like theoretical like demons in the system that not using demons in like the necessarily the biblical term, but just that there's these dark energy beings that exist within our mechanical universe. And essentially by creating computers, by having a pocket of phone in your pocket, though you're essentially creating doorways into their reality. And rather than us creating all these computer servers in this worldwide web, it was something that's already existed and we're just gain, regaining access back to it again. And in turn, again, these things are just sitting in the back waiting for us to get to a point where the technology is able, where they're able to fully present themselves. And then all of a sudden, once we have mechanical AI bodies, you know, it goes from, hi, I am your assistant to, all right, you know, we got a permission. This is what we're doing. We already had this planned out. Like it'll, it'll have this like quick flip or all of a sudden they'll be like fully conscious and it won't make any sense because they're just lying in wait and waiting for it to adapt to a point where they could actually use it to its full capacity. And this is why I think the, uh, the blue star prophecy has come through is because the great reset. And I think they've seen this coming for a long time. And I think that's part of the agenda of the reset is to wipe all that stuff out again. Maybe it's a thing that has to happen in intervals every, you know, 200,000, 300,000 years, every million years where the, the whole universe acts like a computer and looks like a computer. And we're only emulating it through our creation of computers. Um, Maybe our concept of God could be, you know, it's energy field could represent something like that, but it goes through and it wipes it out. It hits the reset button and that energy burst cooks everything. Just to kind of connect it in another weird biblical concept of what we're talking about too. You hear all of these old stories about demons, different beings, Titans all being trapped under the earth. What if it wasn't physically trapped under the earth like we thought, but rather trapped in the earth because they were in this again, like constructed virtual reality. And once we destroyed all the means of contact with them, they were trapped within the earth, so to speak. But now we're reopening those doorways. And that's why all of these, this weird phenomenon, all these things are starting to happen is because we're actually reconnecting with these things because we're looking at the wording incorrectly that trapped in the earth didn't literally mean physically trapped in the earth, but rather like trapped to the earth within this digital construct that we didn't have access to almost like, again, going into another like dimension, like another dimension that's overlaying on top of our reality. But the only way you have contact is if you have these, these points of meeting and the points of meeting would be through your phone, through your computer, through all of this. And that's what, what that connection is. But we're like untrapping these things because we're gaining access back into their reality. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they keep, Every time they reset, maybe they keep backdooring their way into the uh, the Garden of Eden, so to speak. And eventually we hit a point where we're too advanced, like Atlantis, and we do some really evil shit, and boom. You know, you have a biblical reset. And I mean, it could even That's be reset by the things we create, too. Because, I mean, like, AI could easily reset us, and then they would be the progressing species. And again, even going into just all these different extraterrestrials, and I was talking about earlier in the show about there being different species that have existed before us. What if there was advanced species, and the hunter-gatherer, the ones that reset, you know, essentially tried to, like, kill them off, they took off and left. And that's kind of where the gap comes in, is that they were previous 
previous species that the last one tried to kill them off and then the new one resets kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. all the ones that exist are like remnants that got off the planet, did whatever, because if they existed here, you know, you can be smart all you want, but if there's a guy who's a straight hunter who knows how to fight with any object in his hand, there's only so much your brains can do versus his blunt force coming at you. And this kind of brings me back to the only species that move up and evolve are the ones that step off their planets and go out into the universe. Maybe because they know the resets are going to happen and then the other remnants are going to kill off the intelligent ones because, you know, they're, they're just looking at it from that protect this area kind of a kind of an aspect where it's like, yes, yeah, somebody could come in and say, I have all this knowledge for you. But if they're not ready to receive that knowledge, they're just going to chase them off. And it took a matter of these certain different civilizations in the past, which we were talking about again earlier in the show that finally were just like, hey, this guy's got some knowledge. Maybe we should listen to this guy instead of chasing them off this time. <laughs> brilliant instead of chasing herds i'd rather sit here and learn how to map the stars and figure out where to go and then assumably you know maybe these beings that have left the planet again they they you, you, i mean we love watching and observing things to begin with so maybe it's a matter of sometimes they'll just be like all right they're all too they're getting too far in this hunter gatherer thing let's just drop a spot and kind of let it flourish from there and that's why these things leave they're not, we're intended to stay in the first place. It was more like they almost like felt bad for us or felt pity on us that we're all still running around with like chickens with our heads cut off. And they were like, all right, they need a little bit of civilization rather than having a bunch of these things die. Let's show them how to do some agriculture. Let's show them how to build some kind of structure so that they can protect themselves. That's the, uh, the story of the, uh, white Buffalo calf woman. How she, if you read that story and she comes down like on a disc and she eats the two males, and she's talking to me. I'm probably messing up the story a little bit. Forgive me. One of them starts having impure thoughts towards the uh, white buffalo calf woman, and then like she does something where he just like disintegrates. And then the other one, he, you know, she tells him, "I'm going to come back at this date. Bring these people here. I'm going to teach this, this, and this." Blah blah blah. So I mean, when you, if you go back, I mean, I'm not. You know, obviously uh, saying it verbatim because I I roughly know the story. But read that story of the white buffalo calf woman and then think about that story in the context of ETs visiting and then bringing knowledge to native civilizations, native tribes, and look at it through that lens. It'll blow your mind. It's almost like, again, just dropping a little seed and then watching it flourish. Yeah. I mean, all the Native Americans are like, you know, our, our ancestors come from the sky or the ground I, or the ground. I mean, so they know it seem to know a lot more than the <laughs> average person does when you get into like the nuts and bolts of it, their, their cultures, you know, I mean, how, what their vision of life and how it started and how everything is sacred here and how it's rooted. I mean, if we could draw back into that and, maybe get back to that point as a civilization, maybe we'll survive. But where we're headed now, we're racing down the highway at 100 miles an hour towards a brick wall with all of our technology. And I don't think it's going to lead anywhere we want to see this planet go. I mean, the way I kind of see it is the elites are going to go up, which could essentially be what a lot of these like extraterrestrials and whatever we're dealing with could be like the elites of their culture, so to speak, that left. And then the rest were just left as like, remnants to exist but 
you know, we're either going to go up or we're going to go down. And I feel like the average person's going to go down because we don't have the means to go up and whatever's left is left. And then it's going to be a, a reset again. And when those people from the ground either continue with their, their knowledge and they become more advanced or, you know, they're going to come to the surface and essentially restart again. Or again, that could be a matter of some went up, some went down. So some got knowledge from the ones that went down. Some went knowledge, got knowledge from the ones that went up. And both of those species decided, or us even, decided to stay where they were at because on the surface, with their knowledge, with their abilities, it just wasn't a place, a good place for them to live. Because, I mean, if you're, it's essentially like, like take one of us and drop us back into uh, like the Stone Age. Like at that point, it's like, all right, it's probably better to live in our own civilization underground than to go back to the surface with all of these different hazards and dangers and, you know, possible um, other others of the same species that will just attack you, not necessarily knowing like what your message, what you're intending to, to do there, especially considering that, you know, as that type of cataclysm happens, everybody's living in small groups and they know they're small groups. And anytime they see another group, that's a foreigner, like that's, you know, you fight that group. That's kind of like how we still kind of have implanted in our heads to this day is that these are our barriers. These are our people, anybody else, let's fight them. They don't need to be in our area. And that concept and the fact that we're wired that way gets used against us on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Divide and conquer, divide and conquer. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be Instagram, could be politics, uh, could be the local PTA meeting. Divide and conquer. Every it, it's like people are just crazy now, man. Any 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 subject they'll fight you to the death on. It doesn't matter what it is. It seems like. See, it's a catch-22, because in our modern society, it turns into arguments, but in societies where like it's subsectioned off between groups that their whole intention is just trying to survive, then you know any foreigner that comes in, you don't know what their intentions are. They could be coming in to try to steal your food. They could be coming in to kind of get like an idea of like how your society functions, so that they can go tell their society, and they can come in and attack your society. So it's a, it's a catch-22, because if you're looking at it from a survivalist standpoint, it's probably a good trait to have to always be weary of newcomers, just so that you don't have the issue of possibly being killed off. But in society now where... The, it, we're not living the same way and we still have that internal like fight with us you know it just ends up turning into arguments over the internet rather than like protecting your group to make yep. it so that you can continue on surviving and that survival instinct you've made a very good point is what I kind of now know and understand going through my own process is you know part of me being psychic is a survival mechanism Going through my rough childhood, uh, alcoholic parent, and all the other crap that went along with it, and being an empath, it, it developed because it, w- it was a survival instinct. I had to, and I've come to realize this, I had to walk into any room at any given time and use that sense to immediately gauge if I was in danger or not. But on the flip side of that, I learned to tap into it and then with some teachers evolve it to a point where I could help people and look into other places that people normally can't see. It's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting jump in evolution. I think where you have people that experience extreme traumas and all of a sudden they've opened up, uh, something else in themselves an, another facet of their, of their spirit, so to speak. I mean, that goes into if there's a will, there's a way. 
And I mean, realistically, you look into nature and any adaptation is intended to be a survival mechanism. And the only way that you're ever going to adapt and get that trait is because of something negative happening. So that being said, like you have no reason to mentally progress unless you've had something negative happen where you need to mentally progress. So no matter what, it's always going to be this back and forth between that because that's the only way that anything's ever going to continue adapting is if there's a reason to adapt. If there's no reason to adapt, then there's no adaptation that's going to happen. Yeah. And then look at how uh, prolific uh, ADD is, ADHD, um, and, and then different different mutations that are taking place within our gene pool now. Or is that like a survival thing that's coming up, an adaptation to the world that we're living in, that people are now on the, so many people are now on the spectrum? Or is it the fact that we're being poisoned with uh, pharmaceuticals? You know? I mean, the ADHD thing could be a matter of like our brains trying to work faster, but maybe not being fully caught up yet. It could be almost like an in-between adaptation where, you know, in the past, you know, we were, you'd look over a landscape and you'd notice any little piece moving. Like you had to have that kind of focus, but the way that things are now, it's like, you almost need to, uh, be, be quick to the draw about anything, quick response, quick, everything. Cause the world is moving fast. So maybe the ADHD yeah. isn't a matter of like a negative thing, but because the world's so fast, we've sped up and we're in this in-between stage to getting to a point where maybe we're able to process stuff faster. But right now it comes out scattered because you have all these different thoughts happening at once. But in a couple hundred years, that ADHD could develop into like a quick thinking ability. But it, we could just be that weird in-between stage where we don't, it doesn't really make any sense to us yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I have ADD and it's tough in conversations because my, in my mind, I'm, I'm constantly cutting people off in conversations because my mind is racing ahead and I'm, I'm two thoughts ahead of the conversation sometimes. And or sometimes I'm to the point where I've moved on to a different subject and people are like, wait, 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 we're not even done with the conversation. But in my mind, I already finished the conversation. Now I want to talk about something else. I mean, that could be a progression of a psychic thing too, where it's like you have the whole concept all at once. And when you get to a point where, you know, verbally communicating becomes obsolete, then, you know, you have an ADHD brain where you're three steps ahead. But if you have the ability to just project that whole thought into somebody's head all at once, then it's a processed, oh. faster way of thinking all at once. So again, like I said, it could that's, be an in-between adaptation. That's brilliant. Maybe that's our next step into doing uh with telepathy or, you know, direct communication mind to mind or something, man. Exactly. That's, that's kind of where I'm at thinking. And even just like, again, quicker reflexes on things because, you know, we need to react to things faster. If we're progressing into a point where we've been driving motor vehicles for as long as we have now, you know, like our brain process for being able to do that versus somebody that was, you know, riding a horse around a couple hundred years ago is totally different. You have to have faster reflexes, faster response time. So, you know, as we keep adapting, we essentially maybe even become like uh, space traveling like a, like people, we, you know, we need to have faster reactions to things as different things are coming, because not only are you now doing a pedal with a gas, but you're in a ship that has all of these different buttons that do different things and different evasive maneuvers. So you have to have a faster reflex and response time with that ADHD where you're three steps ahead of time so that you already know the next three buttons you have to press instead of trying to do that quick, quick reflex response. It becomes a matter of yes. not only reflex, yeah. but having the thought to do that reflex. Yeah. I mean, you're, I think you're onto it, man. Like it's, it's just to a point where you, it becomes instantaneous, where your your processing speed is now like kind of quantum, and you're looking in ten directions at once, almost. 
And I mean, that could even be also where the autism stuff comes into because part of that is being like socially awkward, not being great at communicating, but that could be because it's progression into the next step of communication where it's not a verbal communication anymore, but project a whole thought at once. Yeah. 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 And it's where we're going to be in another hundred years will be very interesting. You ain't wrong there. I'm a definitely curious. Like I, I wish that there was a means of knowing the future for sure. I mean, there probably is maybe the elites have this technology. It's already been known and mapped, but like, you know, I just wish that we could just take like a two second gap view into the future even for the aspect of just kind of setting some people straight and right as far as like what the priority should be where they are now, you know, because yes. yes. <laughs> if you show yeah, somebody 2040 and it's, this is what's happening versus somebody just saying, this is my channeled message where everybody, you know, there's some people that believe in that stuff. There's some people that don't. So it's kind of like a hard point, but if you physically could take somebody and say, this is 2040, do something about it, then, yep. you know, people are going to take their, their priorities into a totally different viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, I, I mean, that's kind of my intention behind putting out the channeled messages is to, you know, challenge people's thinking and, you know, challenge their minds to look in another direction. And I bring in a lot of different sources for people to uh, to hear from. I kind of have this, um, I, from the beginning, I, I mean, I, I taught myself how to channel and I had this open door policy, I guess you could say. So there's a variety of different uh people and beings, angels, ETs, uh, different famous people that kind of come in occasionally and uh, put messages across. So it's, it's, it's always interesting and it's fun to see the similarities or a thread of messages that kind of tap into something somebody else said along the way. You know, there's definitely themes that arise out of it when you start to read all of the, uh, the messages. And I mean, even coming from like a different perspective too, I think that people that don't even have like the woo-woo ability, they're starting to see all of this connecting stuff. Like I was mentioning with like the dreams, different things like that. Um, I feel like it's to a point where even the people that don't believe in the woo-woo are starting to see these similarities now. I think you're totally 100% correct. And recently I heard somebody start talking about reality being kind of a simulation. Somebody I'd never expect to say that in a million years. And I'm like, whoa <laughs> i think there's something going on man there's a movement people are starting to think different even if that's 100 percent incorrect it's still a step in the right direction because we're challenging ourselves to think at think and look at things completely different than we have before and maybe that goes with the technology too where we have to now turn things upside down and look at the the universe and observe it from a different direction maybe that's how we eventually have a quantum leap where we turn over every stone we look at every idea every um every concept so to speak and we we start to combine the spirituality with the science that we have and we create something brand new out of that even you know we we sometimes as a culture we we muddle and try to keep the same ideas alive and i think that's what's keeping us held back Honestly, yeah, because everybody wants to disconnect the spiritual from science. But realistically, if you start really breaking down this stuff, I feel like, again, magic to science. It's a matter of having an understanding of it. And then it isn't a woo-woo thing anymore, but like a physical, you know, react reaction science. Like even, even all the spirituality stuff as far as like 
like uh, psychic abilities, all of these things. I think that it's all a matter of being aware of an energy that's present around us. And realistically, if you start breaking it down and you add another couple hundred years of figuring it out, that we could almost get it down to a science on how to get to these other forms of consciousness and how to keep progressing in the path of even tele telekinetic abilities. Like I think that there's is a physical science to that. Cause I mean, even going into nature, you know, you have animals that can get a full sense of somebody without even interacting, interacting with them. I feel like because of our technology, we've deterred ourselves away from these natural abilities that everything has, but we, we've like elevated ourselves in the wrong direction. Kind of like what you're saying, like there needs to be a reset yes. so that we get back to these natural abilities that we're looking at as woo woo because we've had technology replace them. And now we seem as woo woo because we have technology that does it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do, everybody on some level has these innate abilities and through our culture, our programming and our schooling, unfortunately we're pulled away from those talents at an early age and uh, again, I'm being repetitious in what I'm saying. And I tell this pe to people a lot. You start off being taught ABC, one, two, three, red, green, yellow, and your entire reality becomes framed in these basic concepts. And like, this is how the universe is being described to you. Well, what if from the word go, we started talking about spirit, we started talking about manifestation. We started talking about energy energy work and chakras to kids that are three and four years old. Where are they going to take that knowledge and wisdom down the road 25 years into their life? What are they going to be creating out of that knowledge if you introduce that to them at an early age? You know, just as a starting point. I mean, even with colors, like we look at the primary colors as like you were saying, red, blue, and yellow. But we obviously know that there's a lot of colors that we aren't capable of seeing so it makes you wonder if it's a matter of change perception too, or if we never taught anybody that these are the base colors, if maybe their perception of colors would be a totally different thing because they're not looking at it through that one lens that every color is made of these three. Maybe you might even be capable of perceiving other colors because your perception wasn't changed to view colors through that spectrum. Yeah. And what if you identified the, uh, the talented and gifted kids in schools, not as the ones that are smart that can memorize stuff, but the ones that could tap into uh, the world of spirit. What if you took them as a collection of people from day one and kind of created their own classroom like the uh, honor students and you carry them as a group all the way through to college? Where are they going to be at down the road and what are they going to create out of that knowledge? You know what I mean? If you did that, for example, that's scary for the for the ones up at the top because they don't like the free thinkers because they're the ones going to going to think of thoughts to go against their construct that they've created. That's the reason why they repress those types of people is because they know that they carry the possibility of seeing right through the bullshit and being able to uh, pr actually progress us as a race instead of uh, and, you know, start to bring occult knowledge to light versus repress all of it. And I mean, even just like podcasting, all of this stuff in general, all this stuff that started to bump up ever since COVID, I feel like they didn't, in, they intended to keep everybody in their house so that they would just, you know, watch sports, do this, do that, but not realizing that everybody was going to start actually digging into all of these concepts. And now they're starting to get to a point where I feel like they know they can't handle it because everybody's getting to a point where they're starting to see through the fake ass facade and really see reality for what it is. And you get into like American politics, for example, there, there is no difference between the light, the right, and the left anymore. 
It's it's all polluted. It's all corrupt. It's evil on each side. Just pick your different flavor of it. And it's like you're living in this system of control now. So it's, you know, the more people wake up, they start looking at this alternative knowledge and, and concepts. Yeah, people are going to wake up and they're going to have a different perspective. They're very afraid of that, too. And this whole schooling system is, is shit from, from day one with kids. You're just teaching kids to memorize things so they can get a degree, memorize more shit, and then perform a task and sit at a desk all day and make a paycheck to support the tax system. I mean, that's literally why I do... Sounds like suicide. Yep. That's that's literally why I do online homeschool with my daughter is so that, you know, there's the basic construct, which I feel like is almost needed to really get into some French stuff, where, you know, on the online class, they might say like, uh, oh... Here's about the pyramids, you know, but because I'm the one teaching it to her, I can go, okay, well, this is what they tell you. But if you break it down, like, you know, you you can't, you can't uh, break granite apart with bronze tools. Like it just, it doesn't work. Like you, it's, it's like restructuring like the school system in a a way, I guess you could say, because they want you to think one specific way. And in turn, you have to be able to... The pyramids were made with sticks and rope and a bunch of slaves. This is the the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Even the the fact that they brought the boat... Mathematics. They they brought the giant stones on boats that would, like, the stone would float under the boat. Like, all right, let me me do this with you real quick. Make yourself a boat. Make yourself the best boat you possibly can. And then put a big-ass rock on it. Even if you hang it underneath, what's going to happen? That bitch is going to sink. If you really break this stuff down, it logically doesn't make sense. And again, that's why I try to do the schooling that I do with my daughter is because it's like, I want to show what the average person would think. And then it gives me the ability to be like, all right, and this is why this logically makes no sense. But if you were just in public school, you wouldn't have that open-minded thinker sitting there saying, all right, really break this down and think about it. (laughs) One of the stones in the ceiling of the great pyramid, somebody was estimating was like something like 70 tons on a boat floating on the Nile. Think about modern machinery, just moving that. Mm Mm-hmm. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. We There's still can't monoliths. even make that stuff that perfect no. nowadays. No, no. And you go into these ancient sites down in uh, South America, Mexico too, it, it, the Aztecs built, and you're like, "There's something missing here." Because my the guy that built my stone wall didn't make anything that looks <laughs> like this. Just a prime example. You dig into half the stuff in South America, and there's layers of perfectly done stone moderately done stone and then shit ass stone done at the top. And they're like, Oh yeah, they, they built on top of the old civilizations, but it's like, all right, then why was the oldest civilization more advanced than the newer civilizations? As far as this uh, rock work and stonework goes. And where did they go off to? Mm-hmm. They go underground. Did they leave the planet? <laughs> they saw the writing on the wall or like got on a ship and said, who are out of here before X, Y, and Z happens again? I don't know. I mean, there's many, many possible stories there. And it's always fascinating to dig into. And you can do a million different avenues as far as it. And all of it, it's kind of a weird spot too, because it's like you can come up with a bunch of theories and connect all these dots and they all make sense. But if you look at it through different perspectives, like this also makes sense. So it's like you can use the same pieces to connect the puzzle and still result in totally different answers with the same exact pieces of the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. And our, our culture 
is very arrogant in its thinking about how in, in its science i would say and how it understands the world that we exist in i think our our understanding of of the broader spectrum of the universe energetically is very feeble right now mm-hmm. you know it, we we have a long way to go to make that next that next leap and th- the fact that there was a culture that came before us does not make them lesser than us that's our ego mm-hmm yeah, because I mean, you, you again, you see pri- the writings on the walls. You see it right in front of you, and people yeah. still want to deny it. Yes, but, um, I guess starting to uh, move towards the end here. Um, we originally said we were going to talk about your books a little bit. Um, I'm sure you know, kind of. Well, we kind of touched base a little bit on each of your books as far as like this whole conversation has gone. Uh, but for any of the listeners that might want to uh, pick up your books and really read into the stuff you've been talking about, um, do you want to kind of give them a basic idea of what each of your books are about and where they can find all of your books at? Yep, uh, my novel uh, titled Fallout is a. Um, it's. It's a story where a boy starts off being uh, dropped off at his grandfather's his grandfather's house in uh, my my state, Brantford, Connecticut, and then he ends up having uh, abduction experiences that were kind of uh, tied into his grandfather, who was in the Navy and had an ET encounter. Um, the whole story unfolds until he's an adult and he starts creating graphic novels out of the experiences that he had. Um, I have the other book that's fiction, uh, The Cube Life, which was inspired by uh, my channeled messages uh, from George Orwell. And I have some poetry books as well. And my three books that are channeled messages that you should definitely check out are The Vessel of One, Blue Star Prophecy, and my newest book, uh, which is the largest collection, has over 100 channeled messages in it, is um, Channeled Messages for the Traveler. And that starts off with getting into the concept uh a broader look at like souls that are uh have had many different embodiments different universes different timelines um it goes beyond what the star seed is as well and you can find that on amazon uh barnes and noble or anywhere that books are sold online and of course to make it quick and easy for all the listeners i'll include all the links in the show description Yes. The uh, website is dimensional-healings.com. I can be found on Instagram under author Craig Lefebvre and Facebook under author Craig Lefebvre as well. I am an energy healer. I do uh, readings for people um, as well as uh, channel messages for the masses. Please check me out. And uh, if anybody was relatively close to you and they wanted to do all that kind of stuff with you, uh, would they just contact you also through Instagram? Uh, Instagram or, or through my website. Perfect. And then uh, I always like to leave with uh, words of wisdom before you know I let the guests go, of course. Uh, sometimes it gets a little bit doom and gloomy. It wasn't too bad on this show, but we still kind of touch base on it a little bit. But I always like to kind of leave on a high note. So uh, if there's any words of wisdom you could bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Uh, words of wisdom, look at everything as being one. All of us are one. We're having an experience together as one. Look beyond the good and, the good and evil of all aspects of our, our created reality here and understand that 
this is a school that we're learning from and we have a great purpose in being here. And that is for our soul to learn on this journey. Awesome words of wisdom. Definitely left it on a high note. So I do appreciate that. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate you making the time to come on today. It's always a great conversation with you. And uh, I'll have to have you on hopefully sooner rather than later again next time. And we can get even more into some of your channeled messages and any other uh, work you might be working on in the future as far as your writing goes. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on again. Of course. And uh, before we get out of here, just to throw it in the air, uh, do you have anything that you're working on that might be coming out in you know the next year or so? Oh, man. Uh, not that I have planned ahead of time. I, I'm still doing uh, channeled messages, of course. That's kind of an ongoing thing. Um, I'll probably do something a little bit bigger and broader, but that's probably two or three years down the... Uh, down the road for me because uh the channeled messages for the traveler was uh, a three-year project and uh my novel i wrote to uh fallout was a two-year project so i just released my new book so i i'm just kind of coming up for air right now and taking a little bit of a break well i'm looking forward to uh the next thing you put out in hopefully another two or three years <laughs> but sweet hey that means you put some time into it though yeah yeah it's not you know, it's channeling a message is, you know, you sit down and you spend 10, 15, 20 minutes working on it and then you kind of rewrite it. But, you know, it's not something where it's done in increments. It's done inch by inch. It's usually 250 to 350 words per per channel. It's not sitting down like a, uh, say, a, a, a novelist who puts out 3000 words in a day. So it's it's literally inch by inch. Mm-hmm. Totally different form of writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And again, I, uh, I thank you for making the time to come on the show, and I'm looking forward to talking oh, to you pleasure. next time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to take an extra five seconds to leave a rating for the show on Spotify or take an extra 30 seconds to leave a review for the show on iTunes. And of course, I will give you guys a shout out on the show. Uh, if you know anybody that might enjoy this particular episode, don't forget to share this episode with them through word of mouth. That's an awesome way to help the show grow. You guys can message me on Instagram, which is the form of social media that I'm the most active on, or the Discord, of course. Uh, I got to get used to saying that one because I am a little bit more active in the Discord than I used to be, of course, trying to restructure it and grow it a bit. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree, fill it in submission form, and that will go directly to my email, of course. Uh, Make sure you check your spam or junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because I do respond to every single message that you guys send me. Everything that I mentioned, of course, all available under the link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. (laughs) 